Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. For the Lord your God, He is the one, notice, who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua, notice. After he's done talking to the people, he goes to Joshua now, and he pulls him in front of uh, everyone, he, in the sight of all Israel, and he says to him, Be strong and of a good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. Notice, be strong and of a good courage. How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep it from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart want to sing. is the one who goes before you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Welcome, everyone, and we're so glad that you could join us today on Truth in Christ Radio. Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, by emphasizing God's protection and support to the children of Israel as they entered the Promised Land. Joshua was given these words several times to remind him and encourage him as he led God's people into the Promised Land. As followers of Jesus Christ, those words are as important to us as they were back then to the nation of Israel. They are assuring words from a loving Savior. Let's listen to Pastor Rob as he continues with our study. Notice, even Peter, who the Catholics believe are the... And again, I'm not here tonight to bash Catholics. I don't like their doctrine. Their doctrine is wrong. The people God loves, and we ought to love them as well, but their doctrine is wrong. And this is what Peter said, who is supposedly the first pope, according to the Roman Catholic tradition. This is what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, For Christ also suffered once for sins. That's right from Peter's mouth. The just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, and being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And by the way, Peter wasn't celibate either, as the Roman Catholics hold the priest today to be celibate. That's why there's so many pedophiles, and so many twisted things. God had given them a desire, a natural God-given desire within the bonds of marriage, but now they can't be married. So all of a sudden, behind the closed doors, all kinds of weirdness is happening. Shame on them for putting that yoke on these men. And shame on them for not leaving and, and realizing and reading the Bible for themselves and, and, and knowing what the Lord uh, has given them to enjoy within the bonds of marriage. But, but Peter wasn't even celebrate celibate. He had a wife. Jesus healed his mother-in-law, or Peter's, Peter's mother-in-law. <laughs> Let's go on to verse 3. It says, the Lord your God himself, he crosses over before you, and he will, notice, he will destroy. We're back in Deuteronomy 31 here, verse 3. He will destroy those nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. You're going to dispossess them. Boy, that's a word that our culture, it's not politically correct today. To dispossess anything or anyone is just horrible today. Because they had a right to be there. 
You know, you had a right to be there. (laughs) Well, you know what? God has the right to revoke that. He has a right. He gave them hundreds of years. Those nations, those seven nations in Canaan, he gave them hundreds of years to repent. In fact, he waited. He says, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. I'm not going to bring my people out of Egypt yet because the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. In other words, God was giving them a gas gauge. And there came a point where he said, you know what? I've given them enough time to repent. And God, only God knows that time. And I'm so glad that he does. He is the ultimate accountability For one person, he may give you this much time. For another person, it's this. And it's a mystery to me how he can know the the difference. That's why he knows you so intimately, so perfectly. You don't need to worry. Just give your heart now to him and and give everything over to him. And don't hide anything from him. Get transparent before the Lord as soon as possible. Drop all those things that you're, you're holding on to, all those habitual sins, whatever it is. Because even as a Christian... You don't know when the time is that he's going to say, you know what, I've given you, you're coming, to, you're coming to me and you're one of mine, but you know what, there's this issue in your life that you just, you've not dealt with it. And God doesn't want to expose you. He would much rather speak quietly, personally, quietly to you where nobody can see or hear. But it's true because I've seen it, that God will take somebody who is a believer even and say, you know what, I've, I've given you so much rope I've given you so much grace, but now the only way I'm going to get you to turn, my son, my daughter, is to let this thing be exposed. And we've seen it, haven't we? And it's horrible to see. And hopefully none of us will ever experience that. But notice what he says here in verse 3. He will destroy those nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Notice the, the responsibility. God is going to do something, and you're supposed to do something. He's going to destroy those nations, and you shall dispossess them. That's one of the things that the children of Israel failed to do, is to go in and take complete possession of the land. They got scared, and that's a very natural fear, but God says, I will go before you. I will send the hornets before you. I will create confusion before you. It was very unfair. For the enemy. They had such great advantage. I mean, when you've got God on your side, I mean, you can walk down in San Diego with all the gangs in the streets, and you're walking down with a brim hanging low. You can walk down the street and just go, okay, what's up? You've got like 10,000 gang members with pistols and knives and guns. And, you know, if God goes before you, you know, they can't. Of course, you're not going to be that, you know, stupid. But just once I'd like to do that, you know, just... You ever have a fantasy like that? Guys, I know you do. You're just like, you just want to be like a Goliath, but there's like 10,000 MS-13 guys out there, and you're like, bring it on, big time. (laughs) But God says, "Uh, who's going to get the glory for this one? (laughs) It's got to be him. But God gave the unfair advantage to his people. But much of God's dealings with the children of Israel was based on conditional promises that affected their offspring, the fruitfulness of their land and livestock, and livestock. I'm sorry, and the peace from their enemies. There's these these words in the in the Bible, and we've seen it a lot in Deuteronomy. These if-then statements, and sometimes there's these other statements that begin with when and then that, when and that. And let's just look at a couple of them. Look back in the chapter right before us, in chapter 30. Look at verses 1 and 2. It says, Now it shall come to pass when, when all these things come to pass upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you. 
And you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you. And he goes on and on. So when these things happen, it's, like a, it's, like, it's a conditional statement. When this happens, notice what the, the that statement in, in the third verse of that chapter says, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity. Circle those words. Circle the word then in verse 1 of chapter 30. And then in verse 3, circle the very first word, that. When this happens, that's going to happen that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you. And he also goes on in in another if statement, another conditional statement, verse 4 of that same chapter. He says, If any of you are driven away out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Then, if any of you are driven to the uttermost parts, Verse 5, then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possess, and you shall possess it. And he goes on from there until the very end of chap- or verse 10 of that same chapter. It's the result. If you do this, I'm going to do this. And it's all their obedience. Their obedience. If they're obedient, God does this. And I love his unconditional statements because those are things that we don't have anything to do with. He'll just say, this is what I'm going to do, and it has nothing to do with your performance. Those are the promises that I like because I can't fail. (laughs) I like when God makes conditional promises or unconditional promises, but the conditional ones require something of me, and that's where the rubber hits the road, and that's the things that we struggle in. But let's look at verse 4 in chapter 31 here. It says, The Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings, notice, of the Amorites and their land when he destroyed them. And we're not going to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 2, but if you look in verse 26 of Deuteronomy chapter 2 through the 11th verse of chapter 3, there's a history of these two kings that the Israelites wiped out. And you can look at that on your own. But notice in verse 5 it says, The Lord will give them... Og and the, you know the Og and, all, and also all the other nations that he told you, he will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. And what is that commandment? What is the commandment? Turn with me to Deuteronomy seven, really quick. This is the, this is the commandment that God is talking about here in verse five. The Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. What is this commandment? Well, turn to Deuteronomy 7. We're just going to look at the first five verses. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites. Now, who were the who was Og, the king of Bashan, and Sion, the king of the Amorites? Those were Amorite kings, Right? They fall within this, this commandment because that's who they were. The Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, notice the harshness of it. These are the people that had had hundreds of years to repent and turn from their idolatry and their sin. When the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me 
to serve other gods, so the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. But this you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars, break down their sacred pillars, cut down their wooden images, and burn their carved images with fire. We don't have time to go there, but you can cross-reference this with Deuteronomy chapter 12, the first four verses. You can look at that. But let me read something to you out of Deuteronomy chapter 20. He's reiterating the same thing again. But of the cities, of these people, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes, breathes remain alive, but you shall utterly, utterly destroy them. The Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, just as the Lord your God has commanded you, lest, you, lest they teach you to do according to all their abominations, which they have done for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. You know, what an amazing thing. You know, God leading them in to destroy the, the, this, 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 these nations that have continued in their wickedness. And this is hard. This is hard. We've talked about that before, so I won't go into that again. But this is the promised land that God was going to give them. Now, some people have some really interesting misconceptions about the promised land. Let me ask you a question. The promised land has always been uh, equivalent to heaven, but it's not really true. Because the promised land has what? When they get into the land, are they, do they still have to fight? Yes, they do. Are there going to be challenges? You better believe it. Are there going to be fears? Yes. Fears, plenty. Are there going to be giants? Oh, yeah. There's going to be lots of giants. Are there going to be temptations? Oh, you better believe it. Does that sound like heaven to you? No. Let me suggest to you that the promised land is the walk of the mature believer, one who is being tested, one who is being molded and shaped, and one who is being constantly uh, tried and tested, where the, the walk of sanctification is continuing on and, and your faith is growing and building and growing. That's what the promised land is. or the, I'm sorry, that's what the, the land of Canaan was, or, or this, this land that they were going into. It was really the walk of, the, of a mature believer. And they were very immature, but they were going to get mature. They were going to learn a lot. They learned a lot of lessons, and they still made a lot of mistakes. But let's go on in verse 6. It says, Be strong and of a good courage. Do not fear. Now he's speaking to the people here. Be strong and of a good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one, notice, who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua. Notice, after he's done talking to the people, he goes to Joshua now, and he pulls him in front of uh, everyone, he, in the sight of all Israel, and he says to him, Be strong and of a good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. Notice, be strong and of a good courage. In the 23rd verse of this same chapter, when he inaugurated Joshua, we're going to get to that, he said again, be strong and of a good courage. Now, God wouldn't have to say this unless he was feeling weak and feeling scared, feeling scared and frightened. God doesn't waste his breath on words. Why does he encourage Moses to say these things? Because, perhaps because Joshua was frightened, because he was struggling 
And I think he's very, you know, I love that. Because if that's the truth, then that's honesty, isn't it? We don't have to fool God. We don't have to try to put on some kind of Superman cape and outfit to make us something that we really aren't. Aren't you glad that you can just be yourself before God? You don't have to be like somebody else. He doesn't make cookie-cutter Christians. Every one of us is different, but guess what? We are unified under him, but we're all very different. We all hold to the same truth. We have the same spirit of God, but our personalities, our gifts, our callings are all different. What a wonderful you know, what a wonderful thing for the body of Christ to be so varied and so large and so vast. And yet, is there anything on the earth that can unify like God can unify and have the same thought? I mean, you, you think the same things as, as Christians because we know the Word of God. When a situation comes up, we're kind of like, we could be, you know, be 3,000 miles apart and make the same decision based on the same set of circumstances because the same Holy Spirit is indwelling us because we have the Word of God abiding in our hearts. I would encourage you to read Joshua chapter 1. I was going to do it tonight, but if you could read Joshua chapter 1, the first 18 verses of that, and it will spell over and over again the Lord telling Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and of a good courage. And it's almost like this constant, you know, he's got this like on his, in his iPod, and it's just on a loop. He's, he's looping it. He's got the, the button he's pressed, and it's just going to loop. Be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and of a good courage. God just keeps telling him why, because he's not feeling all that strong, and he's probably pretty scared. What do you mean I'm going to bring these people in? Moses, you're the one who brought these people out, and I was just your assistant. You're the one who went through all of this, and, and God chose you. I mean, you spoke to God directly. I mean, what? there's no man who's had that kind of opportunity to stand in the presence of Almighty God. I mean, so much so that his face shone because of the glory. I mean, think of it. It's just amazing. And yet this man is not able to go into the promised land. And now, there's Joshua. <laughs> I haven't had nearly the exposure to you, God, like he has had. And you want me to lead these people in? Oh, I need your help, God. Sometimes the best prayer is just help. Help. Need your help. I love it in Joshua chapter 10. If you can just write this verse down, you can look at this later. But in Joshua 10 verse 25, later on in, that, in the book of Joshua, you're going to see now that Joshua has been encouraged so much, be strong and have a good courage. Now finally they def- they're going to defeat an enemy and Joshua now tells those guys, the the Israelites, he tells them, be strong and of a good courage. He tells all the mass of, of the Israelites the same thing that God comforted him with, he comforts them with. It reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. It says, let me just say verse 4 of that. God comforts us in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted of God. You see this New Testament idea taking place back here in the Old Testament in Joshua. Joshua, you need to be strong and of a good courage. And finally, Joshua got it. And now he's sharing that with his men in Joshua 10, verse 25. He shares the same thing with them. With the same thing that he has received, he's giving out. That's why it's so important. Whenever God shows you, don't just hold it in. Share it with somebody. Find somebody to talk to. Have somebody that you can call on a phone, a friend, a sister, or a brother in Christ. Share with them the cool things that God is doing in your life. 
Do you feel like you're in a desert where God is, doesn't seem to be like he's doing anything right now? Everyone goes through those times. Don't be discouraged. Don't think that God has given up on you. Sometimes there's a calm, and then there's a great blessing. Or there may be a storm, but he's going to get you through it. And you know, sometimes I think those are the sweetest times because those are the times that God is really seeing how we're going to respond to him. Based on what we already know, based on what we've already experienced with him, it's almost like he's saying, you know, I've invested so much, I'm going to see now the fruit of what I've done in your life. I'm just going to sit back. There's going to be something coming in your life. You're not going to understand it, but I've prepared you. I've already given you the grace to deal with it. If you'll call on me, I'm just going to sit back. I'm with you, but I'm going to watch. And you're not going to have the bells and the whistles like when you first got saved where I answered every single prayer on demand, it seemed. Now you're going to have to walk a little bit by faith, son, daughter. You're going to have to walk a little bit by faith because that's how he encourages us. That's how we learn to walk by faith. Because then when we don't hear from him and then we respond because of what he's already shown us, what he's already done in us, we respond in the right way saying, that's exactly what I'm looking for. That's a witness to me. Remember, it says in, in, uh, in, in Acts when it says that you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Not witnesses to anybody else. I mean, they were, certainly were a witness, but you look at it, it says, witnesses to me. I want to see what I've invested in you. I want to sit back and watch the fruit come forth of the work that I've already done in your life. Do you think that brings God pleasure to see when he's not spoon-feeding you, all of a sudden he takes a spoon away and he's saying, okay, I want to see how you're walking. Are you going to walk by faith or are you going to walk by sight? And boy, those are the toughest times in our walk, but those are the sweetest times. Notice back in our chapter now, chapter 31, he says, And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. And again, he will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear and nor be dismayed. He said this to Joshua, and I'll just read the first five verses of Joshua, chapter 1. You look at the first 18 verses. I'm just going to read the first five. Because it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving you, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great seed going, toward, going down toward the sun, which is in the, rises in the east, it sets in the west, that's the Mediterranean. He's talking about the Euphrates, and then the, the sea of uh, the Mediterranean Sea. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. Notice, I will, never, I will not leave you nor forsake you. He's not going to leave you. In Hebrews chapter 13, the author says this, and he's referring back to the verse that we're reading right now. He says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? But he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The author of the book of Hebrews is leading us right back to the same verse that we just looked at here in verse 8. He's saying, go back there and check that out. Just as he said, just as he said. 
Let's go on in verse 9. It says, So Moses wrote this law and delivered it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and all and to all the leaders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, at the appointed time, in the year of release, at the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God, in the place which he chooses, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. And you know what an, a, how appropriate it is that it is going to be read during the Feast of Tabernacles. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.